Comedy or tragedy? You decide. I got a little under boob. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Are they in the proper approach pattern for today? Hey, Mick, what are, what hey, are we talking about? Yeah. Uh, well, we're talking about uh, the last leg of the Rocky franchise and its geeky meta nature. So we've wasted a lot of time explaining the first two movies. I think it was time well spent. Don't you, audience? You went 15 rounds with us. <laughs> with Muhammad Shrek? First two Rocky films. But we do have to get to the rest of it because that's when you get into the heart of the actual meta context. So we're just coming off of 1985's Rocky IV, which at least box office-wise was the height of the franchise. Mm-hmm. The best that ever it was did. the Star Trek IV of the franchise, yeah. Star Trek IV was the one that made the most money of, of- – until Abrams stuff, it was the one that made the most money. Holy Lord. It was a huge deal. Leonard Amoy was a hot property. He immediately directed Three Men and a Baby and a couple other movies. Huh. It was the first Star Trek film that was a mainstream family crossover hit. It could have been done by f***ing Ron Howard. It was that kind of hit. What? This is the, the Voyage Home, right? Where they have to ha- mm-hmm. yeah. have the whales yeah. save humanity. The whales. Mm-hmm. Which they, is now back in canon, and I really appreciate that. Thank you, Lower Decks. Huh. It would have been taken out of continuity before then? So here's the thing. After Star Trek Four, they don't address it ever again, except for in the Next Generation technical manual, where they show an area that is dedicated to cetacean ops. The Cetacean Institute is where they got the whales. It's That's what the term oh, is for. Oh, okay the study of sea life so so there's a cetacean ops where they have dolphins and or whales on most starships in starfleet and they finally brought that back into continuity in lower decks where there are multiple episodes where they go into cetacean ops it's very funny the dolphins have little uniforms and stuff it's great hmm all right i had no idea yeah it's all back baby (laughs) it's all back baby yeah, so you had Rocky Four in 1985, mm-hmm. and Rocky mm-hmm. Five comes five years later. That's a bit of a stretch from the previous installments. Uh, a bit. Um, when you were compared to, so there's three years between Rocky Four and Rocky Three. That was kind of the standard for sequels, except for Rocky Two. Which- it, was, it was three years between all of them. It was three, and then three, and then three, and then three. Really? Oh, I thought Rocky Two came out like two years later. No, seventy six to seventy nine to eighty two. Oh, that's to eighty five. Right. So, like the Star Wars franchise. Yeah. So we jump five years, not necessarily in time, just to give you an idea of what had been happening in Stallone's career. So after Rocky Four, he does Cobra. At this point, Sylvester Stallone is a quote unquote bankable 
star. He's mm-hmm. getting his own action vehicles with both his Rambo franchise and his Rocky franchise. Wow, two things that have gone way off the rails <laughs> from what they were. <laughs> yeah, very much so. But so you have you have Cobra, mm-hmm. then you have Over the Top. Oh man. Yeah, and then we have Rambo 3, then a film called Lockup. Have you ever seen Lockup? No, I have not. I don't Is know. Is it anything like escape plan? With only six months left of a sentence, inmate Frank Leone is transferred from a minimum security prison to a maximum security prison by a vindictive warden, who I think is played by Donald Sutherland? Eh. Is it Fortress? Uh, with Christopher it's, Lambert? Uh, there's no future elements here. Oh, so it's like that one with Ray Liotta. Nope, that's future too. <laughs> but Sonny, Sonny Landham is in that, so he, he probably oh. is... About to die. Tom Sizemore's in it. Oh, wow. Speaking of somebody who's about to die. <laughs> John Amos, uh, coming off of Beastmaster, I'm sure. <laughs> On IMDb, he's wearing a Chiefs hat, so. What? Yeah, that's cool. Really? Yeah. Wow. I'm going to have to look into that later. Yeah, interesting. So, lock up in 89. And then you get Tango and Cash, also in 89. Uh, yeah, people like that movie. Two guys that were considered bankable stars smash them together in a movie oh yeah i'm you're, you're coming off of both 48 hours and lethal weapon what are you talking about 48 hours with eddie murphy nick nolte and then lethal weapon with danny glover and mel gibson mel gibson yeah it, oh i see oh you're talking about cop buddy yes, this is a cop buddy movie oh uh, i was like i don't think kurt russell was any of those no films. no he's not what i'm saying is like oh okay let's take these two bankable stars we can mash them together it doesn't mm-hmm. really matter the story or the premise people will go to the theaters and see this like overboard wait no that's not right <laughs> um bird on a wire no that's later and then you get you get rocky five right after that so he was kind of the guy there in Hollywood for a bit. But mm-hmm. Rocky Five is where I think there's a distinct turning point in both the quality and execution. Yeah, we'll say execution of what he's doing in his career. Because after that, you get Oscar Wolf. Oof. Uh, Stop or my mom will shoot. Ooh, the still getty. Yeah. Truly a uh, low bar. Um, you, that makes over the top look like Citizen Kane. <laughs> you have a, a few uh, minor blips. Uh, Cliffhanger, Demolition Man, which came out in the same year. Oh, God. Um, <sighs> then you're getting the, the Specialist and Judge Dredd and Assassins uh, and Daylight. Uh, up and Daylight, s- which is... I get Cliffhanger. I, I mean, I don't like it. I get it. And Assassins is the same way. It was him and Antonio Banderas. I get it. But Daylight is just another remake of the Poseidon Adventure. Isn't Daylight where it's in It's in a tunnel, right? In a tunnel, instead of in an underwater, like a flipped over boat. Which is hilarious, because then Kurt Russell goes on to do Poseidon. <laughs> Poseidon Adventure's been remade like 50 times. It's true. Well, in a similar vein to horror, schlock, and... Let's say tropes action films the disaster film has been a go-to since the early 70s late 60s towering inferno side adventure came in 1972 wow did it really Mm -hmm. um so what about the original 
Tit- well, not the original Titanic, because the first Titanic movie came out like three weeks after the actual incident. Are you thinking Lifeboat? No, Lifeboat is a Hitchcock movie. Yes, but that came out long before. Lifeboat is a different narrative. I'm thinking of Titanic by... Uh, 1953? Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. John Negulesco? Negulesco? Negulesco. He did Boy and a Dolphin and Three Coins <laughs> in the Fountain. You know, oh, well, those classics. Well, I've seen that one, but I've never seen Boy on a Dolphin or whatever the f*** <laughs> But now you want to, don't you? No, I've seen Sequest. And you'll never see it again. Uh, well, Towering no. Inferno's 74, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. I've never even seen that movie and I refuse to. I've seen that and I've seen the sequel. How about that? I don't have kids, so f*** that shit. <laughs> I am a kid, so f- fuck me, huh? You know I have my Oscar gauntlet, so. Is Citizen Kane the soul gem? Is that the... <laughs> I think that's more the mind gem. Mm, okay, all right, all right. Where does uh, Big Lebowski fit in that? Bowler gem. See, I was thinking it was that pinky ring that d- Jesus has. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody f- with the Thanos. It became the thing in the 70s. Yeah, and, and and since then, it's always been a, a bankable entity, evermore. To the extent in which, and this is just a side note, The Towering Inferno is the culmination of two different movie studios's uh, – that's not a word – two different movie studios' Zzz. apostrophe – projects that happened simultaneously that – realized that, that they were going to cannibalize each other's box office results, so they decided to team up and create the Towering Inferno. Which they've never done ever after, because forevermore, <sighs> it shall always be two disaster films coming out at the same time, essentially doing the yeah. same thing. Yeah. They should have learned their lesson from Towering Inferno, because it's kind of iconic, mm-hmm. but then you've... Dante's Peak and Volcano, you have... Deep Impact and... Deep Impact and Armageddon, mm-hmm. you have uh, Olympus Has Fallen and White House Down. Mm-hmm. It's the same kind of deal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are plenty of other examples. We just Yeah, and that's not even getting into Asylum Productions. Oh, well, that just shouldn't count. That shouldn't count for anything. <laughs> it is legitimate. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen them filmed in their own dead hand. So after... Well, don't forget about Airport, the airport movies. I won't. The airport movies were really big. Yes, they were. That's what led to Airplane. 100%. One, one of the biggest disaster films of the 70s. In fact, that's where Airplane spoofs it. Well, it's a combination of that and a movie that starred... Uh, Pookie Schnookums. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Scotty. Too Hottie? Wow. The main plot about the pilot that has PTSD from the war has to land a plane because everyone else got food poisoning or whatever. That's literally taken from a movie starring James Dewan. Zero Hour. Yeah. Which I've never seen. You are the one who licks the balls. <laughs> Yeti. Uh, we do have Daylight, which is a, a bankable disaster film that he was trying to, I think, capitalize upon. But then we get into him trying to do... Uh, some dr- dramatic work again. Uh, with Copland, this is the one well, where he, he d- puts d- on Copland was his comeback. 
He was gone for a while well, before Copland. It was a year. Daylight and Copland is only a year. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I, I remember even critics saying this is his big comeback. It was before that. Daylight, the year before that, was Assassins and Judge Dredd. Yeah, yeah. Specialist Demolition Man, the year before that. So he wasn't an entity at that point. Copland was going to be... taken seriously. Yeah. Copland was going to be his, his comeback. Didn't quite land. But it's not a bad movie, though. It's not a bad movie, but it, it didn't do what he thought it would do for his career. Yeah, it's kind of like Heat. It should have been better than it was. Yes. Although Heat is a much better film than Copland. But then between... Copland and Get Carter, there's a three-year time wow. span there, where Ants is his big moneymaker, I guess, between then. Wow. Isn't that, isn't that Woody? Yeah, that's Woody Allen. Oh, my God. Yeah. There's all sorts of problematic things there. There's a billion things wrong with that. Again, we don't necessarily need to get into that, but we will come back to Rocky, I promise. But what I wanted to point out is that between Ants, you get Get Carter, and then he has pretty much nothing. Uh, Driven, which nobody saw. ICU, I've never heard of. Avenging Angelo. I, I uh, Taxi 3. Shade. Spy Kids 3. Up until... Wow. I've seen that one. Rocky Balboa in 2006. Yeah, he was kind of like a forgotten... He was. One might say he was washed up. This will play back in. I just want to give you guys some context of where his career is when Rocky V comes out and where it will be when right. Rocky Balboa comes out. This sets up our thesis. 100%. In general. Yeah. So Rocky V, for any of you who don't know, uh, again, like every other Rocky film except for Balboa, picks up right as the last film ends. So in that film, he was just against the – was it the, the Siberian Express – Awful name for Ivan Drago. Yeah, that is a bad name. It is a bad name. You I and mean, there's so many better. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It could have been uh, Drago the Terrible, or it doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> Ivan the Great. Okay, well that too. Yeah, yeah there's there's a uh, you know. Well, there's more intimidating names. Even it doesn't matter. Keep going. <laughs> he is. This is right after the fight. He has been beaten to near death. Mm -hmm. His hands are shaking uncontrollably. He's having trouble seeing. He winds up quickly in this film kind of being told you can't box again right by a doctor doing a a, a cte i'm sorry a, a he has cte he has definitely a, cte he 100 a cte yes and so the reason this is important is because this is around the time that muhammad ali was diagnosed with parkinson's which is a product of the brain injuries that he suffered as a boxer and so this was the into the zeitgeist of the moment for boxers. Yes. So at the time in the film, they're like, you can't fight again. You have to retire. Mm -hmm. Essentially, it's a potentially lethal form of brain damage. But in the years since he said that's a little inaccurate, Salona stated that having discussion the story of many boxers and the medical professionals, the injury Rocker suffered was a milder form of brain damage, similar to that to a long-term concussion that many boxers suffer from. But like a pre pretty much all boxers yes. suffer from. Yeah, uh, there's varying levels of being punchy, quote unquote. Um, <laughs> oh, which he calls this dog. Lady. Yeah, uh, I mean, let's be honest. Getting hit continuously to the head will do long term brain damage as a profession. Yes, even more so than football. Because football, you're going to get taken down. Soccer, football, you get rugby, you're going to get taken down. 
You're gonna, get hit, you're gonna hit your head. That happens. This one is specifically designed to hit you in the head. That's your job. To take blows to the f***ing head. Yeah. In the film, they state that he can't gain a license anymore. Although... Technically, <laughs> if you are suffering from the things that Rocky's shown to be suffering in this film, today you can still get a license to box. And um, back then, you 100% could oh, have. Oh, yeah. But, again, that was dramatic license to tell the story that they want to tell, which is one of, of Rocky no longer being able to do what he does, what makes Rocky Rocky. Yeah. So once again, we stripped away the success, the triumphs that he's had, and now we're back to Rocky at his base level. Well, even doubly complicated, because while he was in Russia, and Pauly was there with him too, so I don't know exactly how this worked out, but... Yeah, that was weird. Well, he was on there... Pauly signed... He was in his corner. Yes. Pauly had signed some documents that essentially let the accountant run away with all of his money put it into uh, housing markets that completely fell through. Can I ask, is it condominiums? Because that would be the greatest callback. <laughs> they don't say. Oh, they missed a total opportunity yeah. there. Yeah, they, they were not thinking that one through. Oh, man, they totally blew that one. But it's tax evasion and a market crash with real estate, which brings Rocky down. Now, because of those things, they have no money. He no longer has the ability to do his job. He only has his fame to rely on, but they lose their house, their cars, their everything. And they end up moving back to the same street they originally came from. Which, in I mean, Philadelphia. If, if you think about that, you know, Stallone was at a point in his career where he was like the man in Hollywood. And just a year after this, he is making Stop or My Mom Will Shoot, only to right. truly become irrelevant and not have any money makers essentially for the next eight years, at least, just to get where he's coming from. Right. Yeah, and it's kind of an extension of the Rocky Three thing, where and in Rocky Two as well, to a certain extent, but mostly in Rocky Three, he's just fighting cupcakes. He's doing these crowd pleaser events, but they don't mean that he's worthwhile or that he's earned anything. That's the whole Clubber Lang arc. He finds out in that movie that he was fighting cupcakes. So mm -hmm. now you extend that to Stallone's career where he does absolute garbage movies that everyone eats up. Well, actually, no one actually nobody watched those movies, but like Bugsy was a huge flop, but he isn't making hits anymore. He's skating by making money, but not for any legitimate reason Pertaining to his talent. Yes. And, and what, you could whatever say... Whatever talent that is. Yeah, you could say he doesn't care anymore. He came out in a 2020, 2010 interview with The Sun and said that he made Rocky V simply out of greed. He didn't wow. care about the movie. He has gone on to say that out of 10 for all of his Rocky movies, he gave this movie a zero. Well, that's fair. Let's call him Apollo Greed for the, <laughs> for the purposes of this. I like that. That's really good. Uh... So he's down on his luck. They have no money. You know, Sloan's trying to show, look at the notion of a man can have it all, suddenly to lose it. So he's right back where he was. He goes back to working at the gym where he originally, Mickey's old gym. Okay. At this point, they don't have, <laughs> they have nothing. They're all living in like a yeah. three-bedroom apartment. In Philadelphia, basically the same place that they were before. The exact same neighborhood. Not the same apartment, but the no, same place. the same neighborhood. 
Yeah. yeah, not the same. In fact, I think it's it might actually be the apartment they use in Rocky Balboa. <laughs> no man could possibly know. No, it's it's the mystery of steel. No. <laughs> so at this point, Rocky has nothing. He's not a boxer anymore. He's just trying to look for an outlet for his desire to win. At first, he looks to his son, which they have quickly aged up out mm-hmm. of the timeline. Kind of a vacation type Yes, scenario. very much. Yep. They're all over the place age-wise. He jumped into a time portal in Russia, <laughs> and he came out, you know, 10 years older. Uh-huh. It's, I blame Chernobyl. Who doesn't these days? Well, that happened actually a year after Rocky IV, so... Uh... Mm-hmm. Continue. It, it happened because Drago <laughs> hit Rocky so hard. He had a fist fight with the Kurgan on top of these smokestacks of, <laughs> of the nuclear power plant. Well, there can be only one. And then that was only leaked to the public. Uh, and then the backlash from the, from Rocky Origins was terrible. So X-Men Origins Wolverine. <laughs> Remember they fought on that? Uh, no, it doesn't. No, matter. it's it's hurting my brain to think about it again. Why don't you just sew my I mouth? I watched shut? it when it came, when it, when it was leaked before they put in the CGI. Oh my god, it was terrible. Woof. You know, I I might say the Rocky Five is a better film than that. Oh, it is one hundred percent. It is yes, <laughs> and it's a terrible film. That's that's a low bar to clear. I'd say X Men Three is better than that. I'd say. Uh... Well, the spirit is probably the rock bottom, but anyway, continue. So the son is there. The son has to go away from private school into the public school system. That's going to be rough because he's a rich kid. All the while this is happening, there is a young guy comes in and he wants to start being trained. This particular gentleman, his name is Tommy Gunn. Real life name? Yeah, no, I just, I had it written down and I, I'm trying to- It's Tommy Morrison. Yes. Yeah. Uh, From Kansas City, Missouri. professional boxer yes from our home base would you say his biggest fight was butterbean no he fought foreman did he well what are you talking about i don't remember that he's the one that brought down foreman he was the one that was part of foreman's comeback butterbean was hilarious though yeah well it, it speaks volumes that in my mind what i think of him doing is fighting butterbean <laughs> it's butterbean and if you guys don't know who Butterbean is, it was this, kind of this gimmick boxer at the tail end of the height of boxing. I believe he was a former bouncer, and he was just a very yeah. large, round man who could take- who could hit really hard. <laughs> he hit real hard, and he could take a lot of punches. Yep. Who do you think would have won between Tyson and Butterbean? <sighs> uh, I mean, I, I know that's ridiculous, but- I know. It kind of- I mean, I could- I don't know. I want to because Tyson was the hardest hitter of all time. Yeah, but but he could take it. That's the crazy part. I know. He, he he adds something to boxing that no one else does. He's the human rope dub. <laughs> he's the human rubber dub. He's the living manifestation of the legend of Chuck Webner, aside from Rocky. He's the other version of that. <laughs> 
So Tommy Gunn wants to train. He thinks he can be something. Rocky doesn't really see much in him. For good reason. Mostly because he seems to be a bit of an asshole. And yeah, he's a dick. He's, yeah. he's got a mullet. Well, I mean, this is 1990 right now, so... Oh, it's in 90? Yeah. Holy shit. Mullets, mullets are the thing, my friend. Billy Cyrus, another Chiefs fan. <laughs> so essentially we have the story of him finally convincing Rocky to train him because mm-hmm. there is a... A current uh, world champion known as Union Kane, another <laughs> terrific boxer names, and he is managed by George Washington Duke, which is essentially a Don King analog, and that's the first time we kind of get that in the Rocky mm-hmm. oeuvre. Uh, yeah, you're right. They, they're way late to the table in addressing Don King. Yeah. I don't know how they missed it up until then, but I guess you had such... Large personalities that you didn't need that because you had Apollo Creed who could essentially promote himself. He's Muhammad Ali, so yeah. yeah. Uh, and you had Ivan Drago who was that whole different thing. And that's true. Clubber Lang, Clubber Lang seems like a lo- like a Don King guy, though. You know what I mean? Like, well, later in his career, yes. like Leon Spinks was a Don King guy later right. in his career. I just think since like Rocky Three is nineteen eighty two, I don't think Don King is big enough on the scene. Is he really not that big then? Uh-huh. I don't know. No, I believe you. I believe you. I just. <laughs> always think of him it's like funny. retroactive. I, I actually typed in Dong King. Um, That's a horse of a different color. Well, no. I mean, he was promoting... Really? Does stuff come up when you put Dong King? <laughs> no, no. I quickly moved away from it. <laughs> uh, no, he'd been promoting. He did Rumble in the Jungle and Thrill in Manila. Yeah. He was a longtime promoter. He just didn't come out as a total scumbag until mid-80s, early 80s, maybe? Yeah. And then people stopped listening to him after Tyson, essentially. His career, like 1974, in the late 70s, he's the guy. Controversies in 1992. Let's just say he ended up becoming a huge Trump supporter, so. Woof. Probably into QAnon. God. In his, so, on his Wikipedia page, it's him with an AT4 rocket launcher? Oh, my God. Wow. Anyway. What a piece of shit. So they have this Don King analog, and Don King, I'm sorry, George Washington Duke, he sees <laughs> he sees money in Union Kane should fight Rocky. All right. Let's let's do this. Let's let's make this happen. Rocky's like, no, I don't I don't fight anymore. <laughs> but they have Tommy Gunn. They train Tommy Gunn to fight. And Tommy Gunn kind of takes the rocky place. He's the young upstart, this working mm-hmm. class guy who's going to, to fight the world champion. They promote this with Rocky being in his corner. Tommy Gunn wins the fight, becomes the world champion. This is all happening while Rocky is ignoring his son, who's going through a rough phase. Turning into the guy from Heroes. Milo, <laughs> what's his name? <laughs> no, no. God, he almost said Milo Yiannopoulos. Um, no, I would not say that. No, 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 no. Even though I uh, have a hard time pronouncing either of their last names. But. Milo Ventimiglia. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, he will become Milo very quickly, but not yet. This all wraps up. It's really a pretty vacant film. Otherwise, Tommy mm-hmm. Gunn turns away from Rocky and goes with George Washington Duke. Uh, Rocky has to mend the fence with his son and become a father again. And mm-hmm. like in the play Fences. It's just just like Fences. Mm-hmm. Just like that, yep. Yep, mm-hmm. exactly like that. I did not like that movie. Uh, I think it has some great performances, but it's not a film I'd like to see again. 
it doesn't feel like it should be on film the way that it's staged as a play. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I get it as a play. Oh, yeah. doesn't work as a film. I, I, can, I can totally get that. Because it's blocked the same way and done the same way. Oh, it I mean, it's, it's, it's a f- play just done. Yeah, but yeah. they didn't adapt it. They just did it. They just did it and recorded it. You know, like Rent, which is terrible. <laughs> a good play in a terrible movie. Who pays the rent on these fences? <laughs> but we kind of – it wraps up where we, we've moved from the late 70s and 80s of the Rocky franchise into the 90s. It was all the up-and-coming Rocky, Rocky becoming the guy, and then the, his downfall from grace. But times have moved past him. The same way that mm-hmm. Rock and Anthem Rock moved now in, in Rocky, it's all replaced. Even the score is replaced with 80s, with early 90s hip-hop. It's kind of like CNC Music Factory-esque oh, that's- stuff. I hate to say this, but it's mostly because Sylvester Stallone is not the most progressive person in the world, and they had a street fight, so he used hip-hop. Mm. Yeah. It's kind of a one-to-one. Yeah, but it's also the street fighting's a big part of the change. At this point in time, boxing is on its way out. Mm-hmm. Boxing is dying. What is taking over is mixed martial arts. That is just starting to become a thing. You have stuff like Lionheart, who's kind of Ooh. capitalizing upon that. And you get the climax of this film. It doesn't happen a boxing ring. Tommy Gunn confronts Rocky on the street. And they have this street fight for world domination. For the Rolling Stones, yes. Yeah. You know, street fighting man plays and, you know. Ryu and Ken <laughs> fight each other. Yeah. Sylvester hits a Hadouken on him. And <laughs> there's a tornado punch and then. But essentially, Rocky does come out on top, beating the world champion as. Oh, man. You really said it would have been much more interesting today with everybody with cell phones. Oh, yeah. No, this would be it would be on Twitch. He'd be a huge TikTok star. Tommy Gunn's OnlyFans is streaming it. Oh, no, 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 no. Rocky's the one that's going to kill it on, on social media at that point. <laughs> oh. In the exact same scenario, Rocky would be the one that's killing it. Because Tommy Gunn gets his ass kicked. Rocky is having literal seizures, and he uh, there's no way he's working a phone. So everyone's siding with Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> I will want to point out just for a future episode, the f- mm-hmm. very famous pro wrestler Terry Funk helped choreograph the street fight between Rocky and Tommy. Who got the funk? It's Terry. Yes. Terry. Terry and all the funks on the (laughs) funk ranch. Call Terry! (laughs) But this is the true turning point in the Rocky franchise. True. It is on its complete way down. You see this because it ends up on the street where it began, but in a worse place. This is the first and only Rocky film in the saga to have lost money at the box office. Oh, wow. And it kind of kills both the franchise and a bit of Stallone's Stallone's career career for years to come. But it also is very indicative of the types of movies that were made at that period. You know, they they had to change things up. There were certain franchises and and actors that were still dipping back into the well, and a lot of it came up short. A lot of it was subpar. I think you can you can see that with, with what was happening in the theater this year. So your number one film of this year is Ghost. Then you have Pretty Woman, Home Alone, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You also have Die Hard 2, Dick Tracy. Oh, well, that's a Batman thing. 
It's responding to Batman. It is. It's also at least a critical failure. Oh, yeah. Banking on a star who's past his prime and who has decided to do it all on his own, thinking that his name alone is going to be bankable and he can do no wrong. Rocky came in as the 30th film of the year in the box office. Wow. Right below Gremlins 2, the new batch. (laughs) Oh, God. And it would be another... That is 1990. Balboa. It would be another 16 years before another Rocky movie comes out. Mm Mm-hmm. Because Stallone, not really bankable at that point. He hadn't been relevant in a long time. It's like Stallone was like a forgotten POW in a Vietnamese prison, waiting for Rambo to spring him. Uh, Which would happen two years later. It's an interesting look at this franchise, the Rocky franchise as a whole. Except for Rocky V, which is universally panned and terribly directed. Stallone didn't direct it. No, he did not. Mr. It was actually the guy that directed the first one, right? Yes. He brought him back. He went back to the well. Do-do-do-do, take him back. (laughs) Maybe he was just, he just did those things on accident. Maybe he, maybe Rocky was an accident. That's, but at the same time, the sequels were mostly good. How many accidents can you, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of a... And that, that leads us to 2006 with Rocky Balboa, which is, again, written and directed and stars Sylvester Stallone. You guessed it, Frank Stallone. <laughs> Frankie's back, baby! The opening scene to that is the song that Frank Stallone sings over that burning barrel in the first or second one. I can't remember... Where they do like an acapella song where Rocky takes Adrian by, like they're walking down the street right. and they're going down the alleys. And there's this, in a weird version of reality where adult white men that are not hobos are around a burning barrel doing acapella music. I have to think that the, the 70s in the inner city were just a different time, man. Sure. I mean, it's Philadelphia, so who knows? Yeah, I don't know. When the Eagles won the Super Bowl, they had to grease the the light pole so people wouldn't <laughs> scale them, but then they did anyway. Rocky Balboa was actually quite good. Seeing it was good. How poorly he had uh, done films before this. Mm-hmm. But I think, again, this is truly a planet of the apes. <laughs> <laughs> you blew it up. Get your hands off her, you goddamn it. <laughs> I feel like that's a mashup that should happen at some point. (laughs) Back to the Planet of the Apes. (laughs) Yes! Yes, exactly! That's a good one. Uh, Are you telling me that this whole planet is a planet of apes? Hey, man. You know, he lives in a castle in what is considered to be Transylvania. He lives in a castle. Okay. Is it filled with rats? Is he talking to them? Willard is a fictional character, Jake. Hey, you can't prove that to me. I've never seen them in the same place at the same time. Yeah, Rocky Balboa, right? Mm-hmm. Where Rocky's fighting Mason Dixon. Oh, my God. Okay, so here's the... So, okay, so this one is kind of complex in that it does the same thing that all Rocky movies do, in that it draws from real history. 
of box mm-hmm. uh, events, uh, setups. Yeah. So the crux of this film is that again, I mean, not only is Rocky old, he is beyond old. All right, he was too old to fight fifteen years ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but at the same time, him trying to fight again is the George Foreman thing. Yes. They're totally getting into these washed-up, over-the-hill guys who somehow, some way, still have something in the tank. Which is, honestly, the, the entire premise of the film. Yeah. No, it, it is. Because George Foreman did actually come back, like, after a huge absence from boxing, and fought Tommy Morrison and won the heavyweight championship. I I think it has something to say not only within the realm of the film itself, but in the the story of the film, and that this is a washed-up guy who hasn't done anything in forever, is not bankable in any way, shape, or form, but goes back to his roots, is able to capitalize upon that, and actually craft an engaging, insightful narrative with a character that we learn to love once more and still somehow manages to be the underdog yeah yeah which he's done in every single film it's fascinating i think this is the best way to to become the underdog again um yeah break him down it's years later yeah he's he's truly broken down there's no way he should be able to do this just like he shouldn't be able to do it in the very first film right he does right just like George Foreman came out of retirement uh, really late in life after he was already peddling countertop grills. He fought Tommy Morrison for the World Heavyweight Championship. And I'm pretty sure he won, right? George Foreman? Yeah, I think Foreman... Didn't Foreman beat Morrison? Foreman, Tommy, Morrison... I'm pretty sure that was the big fight. I'm pretty sure that was... It's uh, it's known as the Star-Spangled Battle. Oh my god, where's Apollo Creed when you need him? June 7th, 1993. Oh my god. Paradise, Nevada. Wow. God damn. Uh, Between George Foreman and Tommy Morrison for the vacant World Boxing Organization Heavyweight Championship. Uh, Pretty sure... um, uh, he he rope doped him, which is what a great arc! What a great arc that is. Morrison won the bout in a lopsided unanimous really? decision. Wow. Okay, I was wrong. So that's that's amazing. But it did go the distance, and in fact, ah. it's even maybe a little closer to what this film actually is because you remember in your head George Foreman winning. That's the paradigm because even being able to compete. That is a win. He was old for a boxer. I don't know. He was old. All right? Deal with it. He was old as f- As was Rocky in this. Let's go point by point what is influencing Rocky Balboa. You already had the Tommy Morrison George Foreman fight. And then added to that, ESPN a long time ago did a... Okay, now if you have something, go yeah, for Yeah, this was the era of thing versus thing. In TV land during this time, they had the animal face-off show. That is where they would take different animals. What if a hippo fought a shark? God. And they would like they would do scientific experiments, and then they would do a CGI recreation of what would happen and who would win. 
They also had, this time, the deadliest warrior, which was this ancient warrior versus this one. What would happen if a Viking mm. fought a samurai and you have these pseudoscientific experiments, you know, these, these different experts give their opinions and one would come out on top. In the sporting world, they would say, which of these two people in these different eras was better? Was Mickey Mantle as good as Jose Canseco? You know, <laughs> depends on the injections. <laughs> Johnny Unitas, was he as good as Tom Brady? Patrick Mahomes? Yeah. In the boxing oh, world. Oh, dude, come on. You defaulted to Tom Brady? I'm come talking on, of man. like in 2006. Uh... All right, fine. I was trying to be relevant to the time frame. This isn't our ideas of the best players in the world because it's obviously Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> the greatest of all time. But that also isn't the origin of this. This goes back to many years before they did a... Yes, but I'm saying like of that time period, this is prevalent. In the sporting world, yeah. they did this quite often. So ESPN, which they show in Rocky Balboa, who would win in a fight? Rocky Marciano, Muhammad Ali. ESPN did that in the what was it, early 80s. They did a simulated fight between Rocky Marciano and Muhammad Ali. And then Marciano beat Ali. And everyone was really pissed about it for good reason. You're right. In the modern era, they did that shit all the time. Giant shark versus electric octopus <laughs> well, in everything. Yeah. In Rocky Balboa, they do a simulated could Rocky beat the world champion at the time, Mason the Line Dixon. Oh, my God. What a terrible name. Uh, yes. Again, another horrible and quite weird name. I don't like any of that. Yeah, the computer simulation, you might be thinking of the first one, again, which I, I talked about, Muhammad Ali, Rocky Marciano, which was actually mm -hmm. way back in 1970. By the 2000s, when CGI and computer simulation became much more prevalent, mm -hmm. it became a good talking point and a good, a good genesis for this film, getting a reason why this champion of the world would think to challenge a washed up retired boxer who couldn't get a boxing license then from being dismantled his entire career. But how perfect is that, though? Can you be more full circle? No, I think one of the reasons it works so well. Yeah. So anyway, in the film, essentially Rocky is long gone. He now runs his own restaurant. You know, telling people stories of his career. He has an old fighter from the original film who works in the kitchen with him. Spider, Spider Rico. Rico. No, he doesn't actually work in their kitchen. He just does it because he feels like he owes Rocky something. So he, if he, yes, but, if he eats a meal, he goes down to the kitchen and washes his own dishes. That's that's how well. It no, works. he does end up working in the kitchen at. Oh, later does he in the eventually film. get hired? Yes, yeah. Oh, no, you're right, yeah. You're right. But you see him at first just eating some food because Rocky gives him free food, you know, this camaraderie of... Because of he was a local boxer who just never made it, and Rocky did, mm -hmm. and so Rocky comes back to the neighborhood, he wants to prop up the other people, like he would have done with Mickey, with Mickey's gym, you know, all those people. Yeah, and he fought Spider in that first film and there are even posters up uh spider jerusalem couldn't stand a chance <laughs> so throughout the rocky franchise mm -hmm. you have to evoke sympathy with rocky by people dying you know first it's mickey then we have apollo at this point adrian is long dead well okay so f before that you have 
you have the first Rocky, and then in the second one, you have Adrian's pregnancy. Remember? Yes. She almost gives birth, and that's why she's not there at the fight because she has like she she nearly loses the child. Right. So yes. that's the pseudo death that they're getting to. Right. And so then you get Mickey, and then you get Apollo. Uh, and one of the greatest parts of the franchise because. Just like with the first Rocky movie where they had to basically ad-lib the thing as they went along, the only reason she wasn't there in most of those scenes at the end of Rocky II was because she was actually pregnant and actually had a complication with her pregnancy. She couldn't be on set, and so they rewrote things around her pregnancy to reflect what was really happening. Mm. And then you get Mickey, and then you get Apollo. Yeah, and so at this point, Adrian's dead. He goes and visits her grave kind of routine he has throughout the whole film. He has conversations with the tombstone. I think it's important to point out that he pays tribute to the fact that she works at that pet store. He feeds birds outside his window, and he feeds the turtles in his apartment, Mm -hmm. you know, because he had turtles in the first one. Yeah, I think he named Donatello. I think that's the one he named. No, I think it was Raphael, but... Uh, That might make more sense. We're not experts. (laughs) But no, it was all tribute to Adrian's role in the first film. Yes. I think that's an accurate summation. And I really do like that his restaurant is named Adrian's. I think that's very sweet. The whole movie is pretty sweet. He has grown further away from his son. His son kind of resents his father's fame. His son works like on a, a, st- in a stock exchange and yeah, is like kind a, of denigrated yeah. by his boss. And everyone just sees him as Rocky's son. Mm-hmm. Um, he can't, like, escape the shadow of Rocky. No. He lives in the same neighborhood. People don't give him respect anymore, but he's still nice to people around. A girl you see, actually, in Rocky Five. Oh no, no. No, she's no. the original She's Rocky. the original, yeah. Sorry, there's a girl who's just like her in Rocky Five that I got her confused with. I know, they tried to do it again, yeah. I know. Yeah, they did. Same they were trying same. to take it back to the streets, yeah. <clears throat> but like they, bring, <laughs> they bring <laughs> that character back. He's very sweet with her. She becomes the uh, – the uh, what is that called? Uh, she works in, his, in, in Adrian's. She becomes the front of house person at Adrian's. Mm-hmm. The – not concierge, the um, maitre d'. Okay, sure. Let's go with that. Yeah. Hangs out with her son – Almost has like a pseudo relationship, but it's kind of a weird, like implied, <sighs> yeah, uh, romantic thing, which I don't like. But I don't either. But it's also not pursued too hard. Um, no, it's the type of thing much. where he's like, "Hey, if she makes out with me. That's cool." Um, yeah, until well, until he realizes who she is, and then it's very much like, "Oh, I'm dad now." Uh, there's later in the film where it feels like it could go a different direction. Um, yeah, when but she does when give her- him a kiss. Uh, well, yeah, but I don't, yeah, okay, I know you're right. It is kind of weird and creepy, but he's a Republican, so what do you think is going to happen? But he's also pretty nice about the whole thing, and he's not. He is. He's not laying it on thick. It, it seems to be out of actual generosity and uh, kind of wasn't identifying. She the, yeah, wasn't she the bartender at the bar that he used to go to? Yes, yeah, he was In the, the bartender. One, yeah. um, she was the bartender. Yeah. People were being dicks to her. But anyway, he's very nice to her. She kind of becomes a, I don't know, a female platonic 
mostly a platonic. Doctor Who companion. <laughs> you know what? I I yes, that is actually perfect. Yeah. She's the Donna to his uh or his doctor. Amy Pond, not Rose, because that the whole thing got weird, but Yeah. Sarah Jane Smith. <laughs> Keep going. How many you got? Joe Joe. I mean we could do this all day. I know honestly, you could. That's why I was gonna see how far we you can went. do the whole thing, but that's not weird about that. Anyway, continue. <laughs> He's kind of come to terms somewhat with who he is in his life at this point. Mm-hmm. Boxing has left him. Back where he started. Yes, he's completely back where he started, but that's kind of been removed from him. He's long retired, but there's still a tiny fire that's still deep inside of him. But the only reason that he thinks that exists is because he keeps visiting Adrian's grave and Polly, who is still a immaculate asshole. <laughs> I love how Polly never grows. No, no, he doesn't. In fact, he, he gets worse, and then he just kind of levels off. <laughs> That's Polly's arc. That's... Oh. Oh, my God. He slaps Adrian around in the first one. Oh. I, I don't know how Rocky just doesn't slug him, and they move away from Polly forever. 100%. I don't know why he doesn't just deck him. I think because... Where he kind of grew okay up from? back then? I think, yes. I think that's just like, oh, she better learn to listen better. Well, it's like in uh, Saturday Night Fever with oh, the, the, the gang rape yes. scene in the, at the Why end. Why you bring and you're that like, up oh. again? I know who wants to... Because, well, because the sequel to that was directed by Stallone and I have a whole... It doesn't matter. And that movie was directed by the guy who directed Rocky. I know, but it's gross. That's what I'm no, saying. No, it's gross. But but no, what I'm saying is that that's the mindset. Yeah, no. It's, that all this is okay. It's definitely part of the culture. At that point in time. Oh, God, that's terrible. It is. <laughs> it's quite terrible. And Polly's still a piece of shit. Yes, he's a piece of shit. But I think Polly is one of the few who tells him he needs to unlock this last little bit of fire, let it out so it can finally be burned out. Yeah, because um, they visit Adrian's grave and Polly doesn't want to do it anymore. In a classic Polly way, he's just like, I'm done with it. I'm fed up with it. Classic Polly. I don't want to deal with my feelings because I'm from Philadelphia from the, f-ing, I don't know, what, 40s, <laughs> the 50s. I don't know. He, he feels like he's from the 20s, honestly. Burt Ward? No, not Burt Ward. Uh, Burt <laughs> uh, Young. Sorry. It's, no, <laughs> Burt Young. God damn it. Burt Forever Young. Ah, I was going to say that. God damn it. I got you good, you fucker. Um, <laughs> I am all that is man. So, I mean, he was born in 1940. Okay, yeah, that sounds so, right. So, I mean, man, when Rocky comes out, he's in his 30s. Yeah, yeah, he's already kind of... He, I guess he just feels like an old soul. I guarantee you he was old and when he was born. <laughs> I came out the womb saying fuck you. He's got a cigar in his mouth. <laughs> a fedora. You smack me, I'll smack you. <laughs> yeah. He's terrible to Adrian in the first movie, and he doesn't really get any better. I mean, they kind of, like, try and redeem him when he joins the, the corner. Yes, he does have a scene in Rocky Four where he's like, hey, Rocky, you're about to go fight Ivan Drago. You know, a lot of people would have seen me for who I am, a piece of shit. And kicked me out on the street, mm-hmm. but you never judged me, took me in, you let me stay here. If there's anybody I'd like to be, if I could be anybody, I'd want to be you, because I respect mm-hmm. you so much. They make a joke no more than five minutes later, when they're actually at the ring, and he sees Ivan Drago, he's like, hey, all that stuff I said, uh, I take it all back. <laughs> 
Yeah, and that's the running thing that they do. Because in the first Rocky, you hit that all that ad lib stuff where the fucking robe was too big and, you know, there, there wasn't a crowd there that came for that and they had to like shoot it in a certain way. And, and then in Rocky 2, they make the joke about how he, oh, finally the robe fits or whatever. But Mickey's there for all of that. And Mickey's gone now. Mr. T made sure of that. <laughs> he put an end to that Mickey. It was the A team made sure. <laughs> He apparently did a bunch of war crimes in Malaysia back in the day. He owned a sweatshop in Vietnam. And they try to make Polly fit into that Mickey role, kind of. Paulo's dead, mm -hmm. so... But they don't really try, but they kind of try. They make him like the... He's the snarky, wisecracking one. He's the Raphael of... <laughs> or Michelangelo, depending on it's live action or cartoon. Um, <laughs> kind of a bit of a mix of the two, honestly. Kind of, yeah. But uh, they also add Apollo's trainer, who appears in, obviously, the first and second one. He was the one that tried to talk Apollo out of fighting Rocky, like, several times mm -hmm. in both movies. Rocky eventually goes back to recruiting him as his new Mickey trainer. So they split the Mickey role between that guy and Pauly. Kind of. Yes, because at, I think... That's in Rocky Four. Yeah, no, I'm just saying, like, he wasn't in Rocky Balboa. Yes, he was. Was he? Yes, he was, 100%. He's got a great oh, scene. Oh, he is in, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. sorry, I forgot. It's one of the best scenes in the movie, where he goes in and he's just like, we need to make your hands made of granite. Yeah. And he, like, pops his neck back and forth. Yeah, I'd completely forgotten about that. But uh, yeah. yeah, this is the point when Rocky decides Mason and Lion Dixon and his crew <laughs> have seen that, hey, I can still be the champion. I can be the reason that boxing can be profitable as it's mm -hmm. declining. Nobody here is making any money with this. I can do this exhibition fight. Not only will I get one over on Rocky and prove that I am better in the all-time pantheon because there's nobody else to fight me, but I can use the nostalgia that everybody has from this old guy mm -hmm. to make a bunch of money, which is kind of what they're doing with the movie itself. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's going back to the well because he doesn't have anything else. 100%. So he unleashes that fire. He has a long soliloquy, really, about rights and being able to pursue what he wants. So I get this thing inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah I guess yeah. that whole thing. To the boxing commission. Like, yeah. To the boxing commission. was like, so like, ah. Because they say, no, you can't. And then on his way out, comes back and does a classic Shakespearean soliloquy. Just it, yeah. a really blue-collar and uneducated. What? <laughs> yeah. yeah, a conservative diatribe, really. <laughs> yep, that's about right. But he does end up getting uh, his ability to box. Yeah, his license. And they have the fight. One of the things to examine about Mason the Line Dixon, if you really go back and look at those movies in general, you get... Just as much character development with Mason the Line Dixon as you do with Clubber Lang, Ivan Drago, Tommy Gunn, Apollo Creed, to be honest. Except Apollo got two different movies, so that's different. Well, he got three movies, essentially. So by the time he leaves, he was meant to appear in flashback scenes, but oh. they didn't end up filming it because Carl Weathers had filed a lawsuit against Sylvester Stallone and MGM for unpaid royalties and for were forbidden from using his image within the film. Wow. That's just like what Chuck Wepner did. Yeah. How perfect is that? Okay, 
our entire premise is that this is super meta, and you can't get more meta than that. <laughs> yeah, extremely on brand. Yeah, see, the thing is, Mason Dixon gets just as much character development as any of the other villains. Rocky's character is the one that carries it enough that we don't really care. Clover has n- almost no character development, other than in a montage. But you still understand his character. It's not as hollow as you think it should be. Ivan Drago's the same way. And so Mason Dixon gets just as much screen time. In fact, a lot of, like, short backstory stuff. You know, he talks to his manager, who's a real boxing manager. Uh, well, and I think that's that's something that we need to point out also, is that okay. in 1, 2, 3, and 4, it's Rocky fighting actors. Right. The varying levels, but they're all, mm-hmm. they all have a screen presence. Yeah. And they're, they're kind of like cartoonized versions. Yes. Exaggerated. When we get to yeah. Rocky mm-hmm. Five and into Rocky Balboa, they have opted to go with actual mm-hmm. boxers. You had Tommy Morrison, and this one. Tommy you have, Morrison is just as bad, like worse. I would rather see Ivan Drago. Tommy Morrison is f-ing terrible in that movie, and the mullet. I can't deal with it. I can't. I can't. I can't deal with it. <laughs> it was actually better when they had real f-ing actors. One hundred percent. Antonio Tarver does a fine job here, but he doesn't have the presence. Yeah. There isn't the, I would say, star potential Gravitas. that someone like a Mr. T is bringing or a Dolph Lundgren is bringing. He has the actual boxing skill, but when you're making a pantomime about boxing, you don't necessarily well, need and that. Especially since they barely show him boxing at all. There's like three minutes total of him boxing, kind of. Right. You don't have those narrative montages like Clubber Lang... They showed him coming up in the ranks, and he's boxing all these other guys, and then he fights Rocky, and then you have the same thing with Ivan Drago, and then in in Rocky. Well, you only have the one fight with Creed, and then it's just training montage. Right, but then you have the afterward where you more training and more things, and then you have second fight. Mason Dixon doesn't really have much of that. I mean, he has some of it, but not much. You kind of are already supposed to understand that he's a boxer, that he's the heavyweight. I think that's one of the failings of the movie is that you don't really feel like he's the heavyweight because like Clubber took it from Rocky and Drago was Christ. That's a whole thing. But it's a storyline that works, especially for the time period. As little possible actual narrative. Yeah, I would say it's the least engaging of which all is of sad them. because like. Personally. Because, like, Ivan Drago's a cartoon character, and Clubber Lang is a cartoon character. Yeah, but you're also fighting a cartoon character, Okay, Rocky sure, himself. fine. This is a fascinating thing to get to, because it's just like with Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones is not the archetype. Well, he is now. But you, Alan Quartermain is the archetype his character's riffing on. Mm-hmm. Now you get to Rocky, and by the time you get to Rocky Balboa, he's already become his own archetype. And so... You already understand the Rocky thing. You already have that background. And I think people don't feel like they need that lead up to the the villain arc, which is a shame because I think in Rocky Balboa, they actually give him a sympathetic arc or at least an empathetic arc that you don't get with Clubber Lang or Ivan Drago, you know? There's no Bridget Nielsen. Yes. There's no Mr. T's abs. Yeah. In the film, he's not really a bad guy. No, he's not. He's not a villain. He's quite the nice guy. He's just like, I want to... I want to prove myself. I want people to recognize how good I am. Yeah. He's better a person than Apollo Creed was in the the first two movies. He's better than Clubber Lang. He's totally a fine person. 
and he gets exactly the same amount of background. You don't feel it as much. And I think that's because they tried to make him more sympathetic, more relatable to not only the tone of that movie, which is very like the fact that boxing is dying, mm-hmm. which is hilarious. You never get into Tyson. You never get into Holyfield. You never get into the Klitschkos. He does some training, some old man mm-hmm. training. And he goes back to like the Rocky three or four training. Rocky four, essentially, training. Uh is it yes. Rocky 3 that he does that training in the woods and the snow, or is that Rocky 4? No, that's Rocky 4, because he goes to Russia before oh, the that's fight right. to train that way, to get away that's from it essentially all. essentially what he does in the montage in, in Rocky Balboa. Yeah, you know, he doesn't have the money for super Russian steroid. Uh, you know, he's doing some street-level work. It's so hilarious. America's got all the resources and all the things and all the money, and... I'm pretty sure I ranted about this last time, actually, so never mind. Yes, you go did. for it. No, go for it. <laughs> he gets the old man strong, <laughs> mm-hmm. and he gets in good shape, especially for how old Stallone is. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of human growth hormone. Let's not beat around the bush. <laughs> like, he and Peyton Manning were hanging yeah. out. Let's just say that. <laughs> did he get arrested at the airport at one point in, like, Mexico for having human growth hormone? I'm pretty sure he did. <sighs> I I want to say yes. It doesn't explain the eyebrows that he has in that movie. Jesus Christ, what is that? Sloan guilty of importing human growth uh, hormone into Australia. Oh, Australia. Uh, it was Australia. Uh, where he never did anything. No, I think he shot a chunk of the Expendables. Well, yeah, you gotta, gotta roid yourself up for that. Well... Yes. yes. <laughs> I mean, that, that entire movie is basically summed up by that handshake between Carl Weathers and, and uh, Schwarzenegger in Predator. That is that movie. Mm-hmm. The sweaty, veiny Oh, 100%. Thing. Yeah, that's, that's, that's that movie, for sure. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, he gets the son to realize that he needs to be his own mm-hmm. man and do what he needs to do for himself, which the son takes to heart, reconnects with his father, gets in his father's mm-hmm. corner for the fight. He's going to do one last time. They have the fight with Mason And also, Dixon. by the way, uh, the actor who plays Rocky's kid is the only one who's ever looked like Sylvester Stallone. He's got the snarl. That's literally one of the reasons he was cast. It's kind of uncanny. He liked that they both talk kind of out of the side of their mouth. Long before Stallone had all that plastic surgery to make himself look like an old woman. <laughs> yeah, I'm hot. See, Dame Edna at this point. But you get to the fight, like the original, it surprisingly goes back the distance. Back and forth, back and forth. You get the montages, back and the forth. fighting montages. Yep, yep. Am I incorrect in remembering that in Rocky One, Creed might have hurt himself a little bit? Well, I mean, Creed gets hurt. He gets blinded at one point. Well, Rocky gets blinded, but uh, Creed definitely gets hit in the eyes. I don't think he hurts himself. The reason I ask, because... In this one, one of the reasons it goes so far, because essentially Mason breaks his hand pretty early in the oh, fight. Oh, he hits the- I think he breaks his hand on Rocky's face. They set that up in the training montage. It's like, you need to be made of granite, and that's the- Yes, which you can't make your face harder. Well, I don't know. Stallone might be able to. <laughs> little HGH and them, them cranial those, pits. Uh, th- those granite injections he had. Uh, which essentially, like, helps him stay throughout the fight. Yeah. Because Mason can't hit as hard with his preferred hand as he'd like to. For the commentary. Is that good or bad? I think it's good, but I don't... But is it? 
Like, it, I think to make the story work, let's be honest. This is a guy who's very badly brain damaged. Mm-hmm. He's been retired for almost 20 years. When he was old, even then, you have in his prime, best boxer in mm-hmm. the world. Yeah, but I mean, isn't that Chuck Wepner? I mean, isn't that exactly the – because they set that up with the training montage when he's like, no, we need to make you strong and, and, and rock hard and – which isn't dirty, and we need to make you so impossible to knock out and also punch super hard, implying that he does what he does because of that training, because of that new approach. Yeah, but but, but Wepner wasn't 20 years removed from being a boxer. No, but we're talking about a redux of the original fight. I know, but I, I think you do need... A little aiding element, believable, that it's going to last this whole thing. Because it, essentially, Rocky is able to stick it out to the end. He goes all, what, 12 rounds? I think it's 12 in this one, right? I think so. I don't think it detracts from the film. I think it just adds a little more drama. Well, okay, so anything. like, if you're going to do that, though, what I'm saying is like, if you're going to do it, do it right. Right? Right? It's a George Michael reference. Come on. <sighs> Sorry, we've been recording for I'm like sorry. three hours at this point. No, we're gonna we're wrapping it up. We're <laughs> wrapping it up. So, I mean, in that scenario, if you're gonna make it to think about how he breaks his hand, fine, that's great. If you're not going to touch it as a main like plot point, then you have to give Rocky also an injury or something. You know what I mean? Like you have to go back and forth because if you give him an injury and then barely address it and then never address it again doesn't really make sense as to the what well he okay so you're saying he breaks his hand i don't yeah yeah and he they breaks barely his hand address and it. then he's kind of favoring it the whole they time they address it and then they don't address it at the well, end what more do you need to say other than he like he broke his hand you, and you then you don't bigger, really see him like throwing punches point. with that you gotta make it a bigger plot point i i don't I, they need to spend more time talking what do you about want him to do <laughs> Because, like, I barely remember that. I barely remember that. I think most – if you ask most people who saw that movie, they barely remember that happening. Like, that should be a main thing. I I disagree. I think it helps in the moment, but it just helps us add some logic to how we get to the the final point. It's a similar thing. Rocky is just winning to do it. Him being able to go the whole fight and lose is a win. Now, how we got there, you – I think – you add some logic of the best boxer being unable to bring his A game. So you're kind of bringing him down to Rocky's level. Well, but that doesn't – I mean, that doesn't ring true I don't with think Rocky, you need, though. Rocky's already injured because he's just he's – He's an old man. Old and, yeah. and beat up. Yeah. And you don't need it. Like, if you have him injured as well, I think a little bit of the believability is just going to crumble on you. But I also don't remember any of the fight of Rocky Three. Well – and I don't really remember any of the fight of Rocky Two. I don't have to ever watch Rocky Three to tell you how the fight in Rocky Three goes. I could just write it down right now. You know, <laughs> like yeah, uh, Rocky Balboa is a little different. Like you're right; they try to inject something different into it because Clover Lang didn't have an injury. Ivan Drago didn't have an injury, other than he got beat up. Yeah, so that's like chopping away at the tree of the monster. Both of those guys are bigger, stronger than mm-hmm. Rocky, and he has to hurt them by way of him taking a beating, rising to the occasion, rising up out of the streets. Yes, <laughs> there's no way that Rocky can catch the eye of the tiger, 
without possibly having the younger, stronger, fitter, better boxer come down to his level to make it go the distance. Still beat him, but not completely destroy him. And I think that's where the injury, which I think we're spending way too much time on, (laughs) because it is a fairly minor plot point. I think it adds the belief. I don't. I don't think you need it to be anymore. I think it's perfectly solid in the the amount that's the only- there. Just to like, I think you have to be able to address why the twenty five year old supreme athlete <laughs> is just barely beating the washed up human callus that is Rocky. <laughs> well, I mean, but I always took it as that if you ever watch any Rocky movie, he's a terrible boxer. Oh yeah. He doesn't block any punch ever. He has no form. I also think if you watch other boxing movies, they kind of feel the need to be like Rocky. It's all about the flash of the big blows and swinging wildly, actually going defense and (laughs) an actual technique. It reads a little harder on the screen. Yeah, it's true. There are two, for anybody interested, there are actually two different movies that depict the actual Chuck Wepner fight against Muhammad Ali. All in all, Rocky Balboa, the last one, well, not the last one, but the last one called Rocky, it's a very well done revisitation to the genre, to the franchise. Um, And it's a good bookend. And for anyone who feels... Like they need something more. There is an alternate ending to Rocky Balboa because Rocky doesn't win in Rocky Balboa unless you watch the Blu-ray. And then there's a version where he wins, which is weird and honestly not as satisfying. Again, his win is him being able to go the distance and just, you know, go toe-to-toe to the thing. Uh, I think it's also... In the totality of his career and what Rocky meant to him as an actor and director, Mm -hmm. I think him being able to tell the story again, kind of with a bit of finality, speaks to where he was in his career and and what this meant Mm -hmm. to him. This, again, is a bit of another pseudo jump off point where he gets a little more clout. People actually like Rocky Balboa. It doesn't do super great. Uh it's the 105th best film of that year. <laughs> um, it is also split between two years because it's... it's Came out like December. From Rocky, I think it gives him the impetus to then make Rambo two years later. Ugh. Then The Expendables, which became a franchise. Uh. Again, he's not able to truly capitalize on the quality, but it gives him a bankability again to bring people to the theater um which has strangely lasted until you know i mean yeah i mean that's the mystery of the whole thing is that every time you realize that he's a flash in the pan that got really lucky by making certain things that were really popular and legitimately good he every time he reminds you of that he then makes absolute garbage which proving once again what you thought in the first place is that he's a flash in the pan and a total hack. But I, I I don't know how he keeps going back to that cyclically. It's bizarre. Well, the thing is, I think he tries to at least all right with Rocky Balboa. He went back to the the original mm-hmm. and said, 
I'm going to tell that similar story, but where I am in my life and my mm-hmm. career, and it works because we, we can get behind Rocky in a, in a certain way. And we hadn't seen Stallone in a while. Yeah, we hadn't seen Stallone in a while. Uh, we can identify with him being the older, washed up action star, and he's kind of recapturing that glory. And it's that win for the underdog once again. The first one and the last one. The last Rocky movie. Bookends that totally typify who he is as a person and an actor. The films he does after this, Rambo, I think he's going back to the well, but he decides to capitalize on the Gestalt of ability. Rambo? <laughs> yeah, I, I think he decides I'm going to make this as gory and violent as possible. So he's never seen First Blood, apparently. No, yeah. Again, it's the divergence where Rocky Balboa goes back to the original and says, I'm going to do this again. But for me mm-hmm. now, he takes the wrong lessons for from that for Rambo. And I'm just going to I'm going to ramp up and go in this direction that, that is c- completely divorced from any type of pathos to the character or what the character is meant to portray. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to try to make some money with over-the-top action. I think Expendables is same. It's a cash-grab franchise, which is just based off nostalgia of the people he was working with and working around at that time. Similar with Escape Plan. Ugh. Similar with Grudge Match. Escape Plan, Jesus, which starts him and Schwarzenegger actually as him and the Sch- only time mm-hmm. they were ever billed together. Schwarzenegger was in Expendables for like 10 seconds. He was in Expendables... Two, I believe. Because he was governor at the time of California. Of the universe. He was master of the universe at that point. No, that's Dolph. Oh, you're right. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. He was Mr. Universe. That's what you're thinking. <laughs> that is 100% accurate. Yes. <laughs> he also gang raped a woman at, in Rio once. Anyway, keep going. Schwarzenegger did? Yeah, he he admitted to it in a muscle magazine at uh, Carnival. Uh, he and a bunch of his bodybuilder friends gang raped a woman. And he bragged about it. Yeah, real cool. Well, I mean, let's be honest. What did we expect? Yeah, I mean, he knocked up his Annie. Cool dude. Just the best. Around. I think. What? I said around. He's the best around. Oh. Because that was supposed to be in Rocky 3, but then they recycled it for Karate Kid. Yeah, wisely. I think we could also talk about the Rocky music. I think if you put on the Rocky collection, both his thematic scores along with the songs put in there, they're kind of bangers for the time. Which is part of our premise is that they completely mirror the times in which they are made. The first one has a musical score, and the only other music you get in it is Frank Stallone doing a cappella. And then in Rocky Two, you get the same thing, Frank uh, or Bill Conti. And then Rocky Three, you get oh, is that the one that has Survivor in, it, or is that Rocky Four? I think that's Rocky Three. Obviously, it's become a Hollywood movie, and now you have a soundtrack instead of a score. You have a score done by Bill Conti, but now you have a soundtrack. Which is famous people putting music on. And then you get to Rocky Four, and you get <laughs> infamous Rocky stuff. If you notice, in Rocky Balboa, there is no soundtrack. There's just the score. I also wanted to mention that, uh, I don't know if anybody remembers this, but the ending credit song of Rocky Five is Elton John. Whoa! That's, I don't remember that. That's weird and awesome. I didn't remember that either until like I saw it. Like, Elton John what from the, the hell? era? Yeah, it wasn't wasn't very good. So, like, basically, but, um, like uh, Stallone had no input in it. Then, I, I guess. 
at that point. Yeah, I don't think so. (laughs) It was just like uh, an algorithm that the studio had. But all of this is indicative of the era in which they are made, indicative of the way the movies were made, the characters, their arcs, the people involved, their arcs. And there's never been a movie franchise that more embodies that than Rocky. Uh, Honestly, I can't think of anything that's even close. Yeah, I, oof, I don't, um, maybe Indiana Jones? But there's only four of those. Counting the fifth one to come out? We don't know. We haven't seen it yet. I know. Well, I'm just, I'm expecting to be really bad. Yeah, it's going to be With an bad. old Harrison Ford that be, doesn't need to be made. It's going to be bad. But no, it is singular and unique, and it is a supreme distillation of life imitating art imitating life. An Ouroboros of a franchise that gave... Uh, a man who, deserving or not, made an entire career out of it. Yep. I think we just mentioned Creed, Creed 2, and the eventual next Creed, and possibly the Drago. I heard some weird stuff about that, though. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. But I think those are very much passing the torch. They're doing their own thing. Yeah. Well, because Stallone didn't want to come back, but Coogler pitched it to him, and he was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah. And I think they stand on their own... A great idea of taking characters from a franchise and running with them in a Mm -hmm. similar but different and new direction to carry on their own legacy. Yeah, I think those are good additions. Rocky, he's kind of the backdrop but not the backbone of Creed. Yes, 100%. He's barely even Mickey in Creed. And he dies. Spoiler alert, he dies in the second one. What? I know. So, just like Mickey does. So, (laughs) he does in the third one, but... (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I think actually those are good follow-ups. This honestly could have been f***ing terrible, but was actually pretty solid. But the Drago thing, we should not do that. No. Didn't Dolph Lundgren pull out of that project already? Uh, that I don't know about. I thought I, I read that today. Fairly... I, th- I, I thought uh, I, I heard that he was like, no, I'm, done. I'm not going to do it. During our, our recording times, things keep coming out about Rocky, about... Stallone uh, suing the producers about He doesn't want him, Drago to happen. Uh, yeah, him throwing Dolph and the studio under the bus for the even the possibility. Yeah. We don't really know what's going to happen. Well, it just seems like a but, like redux of Creed. Like, why do you need that? Oh, you don't. No, you don't need that at all. I mean, but, it already yeah, happened. Let it go. It's a uh, it's a Rocky Five situation. Let's make some well, money. That's true. Have Ivan Drago's kids show up in didn't he already show up in a Creed movie? Yeah, he was in Creed too. Yeah, so why do you need why do you need his own spinoff? So we should wrap this up. So, ladies, so that's mm-hmm. no, go ahead. No, go, yeah, you go ahead. Well, that is, I guess, our hey, skip. We did it. <laughs> it seems like every piece of dialogue that Stallone does is a stroke he's having. He did a lot of HGA, so I buy it. Yeah, it makes your tongue grow. <laughs> it's also why Peyton Manning's uh, forehead looks so big. <laughs> so the reason we did this was because there is a geeky meta film commentary to be made about Rocky because it's it doesn't matter if it's a sports movie or not. That doesn't even enter into it. The idea is that it's the one movie franchise that embodies not only its origins, the actual people involved in it, and the narrative of the film. You know, any other examples of that are usually small example sizes, but Rocky somehow keeps resurrected, comes back like an underdog to 
to be the most meta movie franchise of all time. Especially, well, in American history. I'm sure there are other, there are probably some Bollywood stuff we haven't seen, but we thought it would, be, it, it would be important to address because there is a geeky meta film critic debate to be had about this franchise. Not because we wanted to talk about sports as much as we wanted to talk about how uh, balls out meta this is. So that's for you. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> Yes, have some. <laughs> 30 Rockies agree. <laughs> uh, so that's probably where we're going to leave it. We can readdress Creed and Drago at some point, uh, maybe on our Patreon. But it was Slapshot. It was Scattershot. But it was Shatterstar. Uh, but... Uh, we're we're on the warpath. We have some <laughs> cables to uh, connect, and then a little bit of boom boom, and we got feral. There were some sunspots. So. You know what? This concept was a long shot, but we I think pulled it off. I, yeah, no, oh, it's it's the mojo we have going. Well, on. we got I some serious. We they got that yeah. mojo rising. <laughs> we got a death spiral happening right now. <laughs> a lady death strike spiral. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, <laughs> Anyway, if you guys wouldn't mind uh, liking, sharing, subscribing, if you could give us, you know, the five Rocky review Mm -hmm. on the the podcast platform of your choice. But not the Rocky Five review. No. Please don't give us the Rocky Five review. Don't do that. No. Don't do that. No one should ever do that to anyone ever. (laughs) We didn't even mention Tommy Gunn ended up being a horrible piece of who refused to wear a condom even though he was positive for HIV and died of AIDS because he didn't believe AIDS was real. And when you say Tommy Gunn, you mean the actual Tommy Morrison, the Tommy Morrison from Kansas. That's yes, Tommy Morrison. No, that would have been a, boxing You know actor. what? Rocky V would have been way more interesting, honestly. That would have yeah, been a way better no, movie. I think if in Rocky Balboa, they're like, oh, what happened to Tommy Gunn? Well, he didn't wear a condom and he got AIDS and he died hey you could have he would have been technically alive in that continuity so you know anyway yeah so (laughs) anyway yeah leave leave us a five condom review (laughs) oh (laughs) don't forget ladies and gentlemen to support your local comic shops and retailers and on behalf of dispatch ajax we'd like to say godspeed fair wizards Uh, we did it Please, go away.